0: write to be read podcast episode number 104 interview with susan ruan
1: hey authors wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff you're not alone it's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest-growing book promotion website at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelink.com. That's archangelink, I-N-K, dot com. You are listening to the Right to Be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander.
0: Hello there, and welcome to the Write Over At podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Annie Alexander. And as always, I would like to thank you for coming over and listening to the show. I truly appreciate your time and attention. And today, I want to present you with yet another interview. Today, my guest is Susan Roan. And uh, Susan's first book, the classic bestseller How to Work a Room, has sold over 1 million copies in 13 countries. Now it's available as a Silver Anniversary Revised Edition in print as an ebook and audiobook. Susan has been named by Forbes.com as one of the networking experts to follow in 2015. She is an author and in-demand international keynote speaker, has shared her message of connection and communication with audiences worldwide and in diverse publications. Her clients include Coca-Cola, Kraft Foods, the US Air Force, United Health Group, Yale University, Apple Computer, Procter & Gamble, authors at Google. Intel, Stanford University, LinkedIn, the National Football League, and her personal favorite, Hershey Chocolate. So today we're going to talk with Susan about how to work a room, how to network, how to behave on different events, and how to make sure that as authors we are out there being known and out there connecting with people and getting really nice opportunities so let's welcome susan and start our interview hello susan and i'm really really happy to have you over to at the right to be right podcast thank you very much for dedicating the time and spending it with me now oh my pleasure well, I'm like, you know, uh, I would like to start talking about the book that he has his. 25th anniversary because it's like you know having a book in bestsellers list for just a week or two or you know a year even is not as impressive as having a book which is you know evergreen classic bestseller and it sells very well and is very popular even after 25 years after it has been published so uh first of all congratulations with that Uh and Thank you. And second, knowing how difficult it was to get published 25 years ago, can you tell us the story of how it happened?
2: I would be delighted to. My friend Judith Bryles, who's the founder of Author U, the letter u.org, um, she was a, a, a best selling author and she did a seminar for um, speakers. You know, my, my business is a speaking business, I travel around the country and world giving presentations. And I decided to sign up for it. I go to this program, and i had been writing for the San Francisco Examiner, just columns. And in front of 30 people, she held up one of the columns I'd written, not on how to work a room, but on mentorship. And she said, Suze, you can really write How to Work a Room Should Be a Book. She put the idea in my head, then she introduced me to her agent. So the first thing is when you see that even though you may have written your book or you're thinking about a book, if you see that your local community college or even your local bookstore is having an author come in and do a one-day workshop or even an evening workshop on how to get ready to write your book or how to get your book out there, sign up and go. You do not have to pay anyone thousands of dollars. Those people that charge thousands of dollars and sell more seminars, they are the charlatans. But just go to a reputable, you know, your a local college uh, bookstore and check out where there is an affordable workshop. But make sure that the person teaching it actually has written a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I did. That's what I did. And then I found out. That I had to write a proposal. So I got a book on how to write a proposal, and I wrote my proposal, um, sent it to her agent. He sent it around, and I had 21 rejections. Oh, uh, yeah. And I still have some of the letters. I could think I could paper a wall with them. <laughs> but the people who rejected it when the book came out from a very small, independent publisher... They all wanted to get the trade rights to it. They were wrong. They turned it down for the wrong reasons. They never suspected, which I always knew, is that people were shy. They wanted to know how to walk into rooms. My book told them how to do that. But the New York publishing world wasn't smart enough to get it, except this one little publisher who met me face-to-face because I was turned down a lot, and a friend said, the library convention is coming to San Francisco. You have to come with. There are a lot of publishers there. I had flu. I was sick. I looked awful. I had to put on a lot of makeup to cover it. (laughs) And I carried copies of my proposal. And there was one little publisher and my friend said, go talk to them. But I was such a snob. I went, well, they're not one of the top houses. And she Stopped me dead cold in that exhibit hall and said, go talk to them. And by face-to-face talking to one of the representatives of the publishing house who loved the idea, but she liked me and she knew I could sell it. That's how it happened. So try to show up at, even if you're going to book expo or a local book fair, show up where there are publishers, small, medium and large cuz you never know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's very interesting that you kind of brought this point because uh, during our podcast, we have covered a lot about different online networking, but we never really spoke about uh, actual physical presence at an event and how to basically behave there. And I know that there are many, many people who kind of don't really feel very comfortable about being somewhere where they don't know anyone, being some where, where they have to make the first step and approach a person they don't know. And, you know, some many people feel kind of intimidated and don't really have the guts to do this. So uh, apparently we now see the importance of being present in those events. What would you suggest if someone doesn't really feel very comfortable and is a bit shy but knows that he kind of, you know, it would be really good to be there what he should, how he should get emotionally prepared and what he should do once he's there.
2: Okay, that's like, you just asked me a question that I wrote 302 pages. (laughs) (laughs) But let me start with saying that writing is isolating. But the part of being an author is you have to be out there so that people know who you are. And that you create visibility. I say how to work a room is what you do when no one left you an inheritance for the advertising budget. You are your own best PR person. But we can do a lot online. But I'm going to be very old school and say face-to-face something happens that cannot be replaced by anything online. There's just that little magic, that little shared laugh, the eye roll, the, oh, my goodness, the connection that you make. Um, Skype and FaceTime are great because they help ensure that we're face-to-face. But sometimes attending that book fair, I mean, all over the U.S., and I know they have them in the U.K. and in Frankfurt and in Canada, there are book fairs all over the world. Go to one of the local book fairs. Talk to the exhibitors who are small, medium, and large publishers. You never know where there will be a click. Bring copies of your proposal. What I would suggest is that you can go online and find a wonderful template for a nonfiction proposal. You make sure that that proposal is perfect. What everyone wants to know is what's your platform? And it's important to have one, a social media platform. In fact, my editors told me the reason that Harper paid me to redo and do How to Work a Room and upgrade it for a 25th anniversary edition is because I had a social network following. And Which is funny because I was doing that to write a book about how to meet people in person. So the first Mm -hmm. thing you do is... Pick the best thing, and I'm going to say this to you because I tell this to all my colleagues in speaking and who want to be authors. Anyone that wants to charge more than a couple hundred dollars for you to go to a seminar, how they're making their money is by you paying for that. Don't sign up for it. If anyone promises you that you can be on the New York Times bestseller list, please Save your money, don't mortgage your house. There are other ways to do things. Um, but show up, talk to people, have your product, your proposal already done and polished. And sometimes we need someone to polish the proposal, a different pair of eyes. But don't pay someone to ghostwrite a book. You are the writers. What you put down comes from your soul, your passion, your heart, your imagination. Now, someone else can edit that, but you write that first draft of the proposal. Mm-hmm. Show up. Talk to people. If you see that, if you go to meetings online and you see in your part of the world that there's a meeting of authors, sign up for the lunch and go to it. And when I say work the room, I mean come with cards Out here where I live near Silicon Valley, a lot of people go, oh, I haven't had a card in eight years, and if you give me a card, I'll take a picture of it and I'll rip it up. Someone actually said this to me. I'm just going to rip up your card and throw it away after I take a picture of it and add it to my contact base. Let me tell you, when you write, when you do that, unless you immediately contact someone and you hear back from them, you put someone on a list. But the question I have is, are they on a list Or are they in your life? So you make it easy for people to contact you. Make sure you have business cards. Make sure that not only your phone number, your email, your Skype number, but have an actual address on there and get this, a phone number. You never know when you give someone a proposal and they like it so much they want to call you immediately. We have to be available in whatever mode people want us To to connect with them. Okay, so before you go, do your homework. Go online. Go to websites. See what the event is about. See who might be there. We now have the Internet, so we can be so prepared for any event. We might even be able to see who some of the people presenting are as well as some of the people attending. Google them. Bing them. LinkedIn them and learn something so that you feel comfortable when you walk in the room and you're not alone. I'd also add that you might want to subscribe to the free version of Publisher's Lunch, which is, there's a, a, a premium version, but the free version will give you an idea of what's going on in the world of publishing. If you really are serious about being an author, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. So I would do that, Publisher's Lunch, Search for it and sign up for the free version. Also, you might want to take a look at some of the copies of Publishers Weekly or Writer's Digest. Those are important. But go go to these events before you go. Prepare your self introduction. It's not a thirty second elevator speech. It's a seven to nine second pleasantry. But you, and this is the three Roanne reminders. One, it is seven to nine second. Two It's linked to the event you're at. So it's going to be different if you go to a state book um, exhibit or you're going to a library association dinner because librarians know publishers. So you, you never know what those connections are. So you want to make your introduction relevant for that particular group. I tell people you don't introduce yourself the same way at a friend's wedding as you would at a professional lunch. You have to modify and then the third part is don't give the title your title. Give the benefit of what you do and what your book would do, because that'll start a conversation. Uh, my other big tip, Ani, is for all the people that walk around going, I'm important, I only talk about serious, important things, stop that immediately. Small talk is how we build those little detail connections that link us to people. And have them engage with us. Small talk is good. If it's about sports or a movie or a book, or maybe it's about the weather. Where we are right now, I'm in California. Everyone's talking about the drought. If you lived in Texas, they're talking about the floods. If you lived in Canada, they might be talking about something else. Little small talk starts and leads to big talk. So that's what I say, prepare your self-introduction, listen to podcasts, read the local and a national newspaper, read a content curator, print online, on your watch, I don't care, but you'll feel more confident when you walk into any event with your self-introduction and at least three to five items you could talk about if there's a lull in conversation.
0: Mm Does that that give you a start? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I I think that psychologically, once you are prepared and have done your homework and know who you will be meeting there, it would be easier and you will feel calmer approaching these people and talking to them because you already kind of, you know, know what you will be talking about and know how you're going to present yourself. So yeah, I absolutely believe in relationships. And I, I also believe that all those small talks kind of create the first click and build up on top once you already kind of, you know, have that click in place. So which, which kind of brings me to the thing, you have this term which says working a room. And I would like to kind of understand what you mean with, by that. Is it and how different it is from networking or socializing or, you know, just talking to a person? What is that about exactly?
2: Well, you know, working a room is an old political term. And I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, where, oh, my goodness, we really had some old politics going on. So I've known the term just always growing up. It wasn't that familiar to people. But then I understand from someone from the government that my book helped make that term more familiar. To me, working a room is walking into any event, Meeting, greeting, connecting, circulating, having a few pleasantries exchanged, starting that contact so that, like what you said, that that conversation clicks so that you know that's a person you want to follow up with. Sometimes we have a wonderful conversation with someone we're never going to follow up with. That's okay. That's great practice. And that leaves other people to have a pleasant experience of you 'Cause you never know, Annie, who that person knows who might know an agent or a book editor that's acquiring books. You never know. And here's very um Pollyanna-ish comment. Whatever event you go to, we really need to be nice to everyone. Why we may think that they're not in a position to help us because they don't have the right name on the name tag or the right company or they're not wearing the right clothes. We don't know who their neighbors are, their relatives are, their former classmates are. You never know who people are and who they know. So we just have to be nice and pleasant and open with everyone. So while you're focused on, I want to meet that person, and you should meet them. there If you're going to an event and they're there, if you can, meet them. But don't ignore the other people who you don't think may be important because they may be more important than you think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting point. Yeah, I I see what you mean. So um, how to work a room your book has been sold over 1 million copies in 13 countries. So what do you think which have been the most important components, which kind of, uh, you know, uh, which were related to the success, which were the things um, that brought that book to such a big success?
2: You know what it is? It's because, and I learned this with the research because I always base my books on social science research, not just opinion of pop psychology. The research showed the preponderance of people who self identify as shy. And the, some would say, I'm still shy. I used to be shy. I'm only shy once in a while. But most of us walk into a room full of people, and we, especially if we don't know most of them, and we feel very uncomfortable. I knew that. And I knew, I'm a former school teacher. Mm-hmm. I knew I could write a book of what I knew how to do and how I lived that could help people get prepared so they could go to any event in their life business interview, a conference, a meeting, a, a a party, a reunion, a fundraiser, and make them feel like it's a not only a good use of their time, but they had fun and they met people and they started building their network, then that was what I felt was my purpose and job. So that's to me, um the essence of all of it is I'm still that former teacher who thinks, what can I do to help people? Nobody ever calls me for a recipe for a meal. I'm going to tell you, that's not what they call me for. (laughs) Um, Unless they don't want to like the meal, then they call me. (laughs) But I think the essence of the book is it gives people a structure, how you prepare, how you can think about making conversation. I even have a chapter in it called Mr. or Ms. Sleaze works room or how not to do it. It even tells you don't do this. That's not the way that people connect with you. Um, I think people like it because I also broke it down in terms of you can go to reunion, you can go to a fundraiser, you can go to a party, here's how you go to a meeting or convention. And I even put in a new chapter called New Rooms to Work, the Social Media Melange, because now we have an array of social media platforms that are the online rooms that we're in. And I have made friends online that I thought were my friends that I never even met for like a couple of years face-to-face. So like you, I think we can do a lot online, but I want people to be comfortable and to accept the invitations that come their way of places they should show up because it could help them build that network of people in publishing Because they feel comfortable. So, does that, does that, that's, that's what my,
0: yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. So, I was just wondering since we already spoke about the advantages of uh, personal life communication versus the online, uh, I was just wondering uh, the things that you um, explain uh, how to prepare and how to act in order to succeed in, in, in these different events. Are there any things that are, you know, a common um, techniques that one could use in online communication as well?
2: Oh, always know the etiquette of the room and the culture. What you do in LinkedIn is different than Facebook. Google Plus is different than both. Twitter has its own unwritten policies. It's a different culture. So, if you do the same, I know there are a couple of uh, apps that you can write one thing, and they'll put it on all your platforms. Yeah, That, that saves time, but it's dumb, and I'll tell you why. The audience on LinkedIn is very different than the audience on Twitter, very different than the audience on even your Facebook biz page. You want to customize it for the audience. If you were going to a meeting of hashé book publishers, it's going to be very different. Their culture is different than walking into a meeting of a random house in print. So you really want to know what the culture of that room is and the etiquette. Um, I found, and a couple people actually kind of called them on it, I found an article that I liked because I read three print newspapers a day. I put it out on Facebook, thought you'd want to read this. I had someone that then shared it but never gave the credit from where it comes from. Now, that may be a Facebook thing. That may be their thing. But in Twitter, you always either retweet or you say via so that people mm-hmm. know who and what you got that from. And that's why I love Twitter. I've been, a, in fact, in July, we're having our seventh anniversary together, Twitter and me. <laughs> but I love to post things. I'm, I'm known as is the Forbes article said that I'm one of the 25 experts for 2015 to watch on networking. So it's my job. If I have an idea or a thought, or if I see something, whatever I can give to my followers, my audiences, when I do presentations, it's ideas they can use. Um, I don't actually put on Twitter what I had for lunch unless it was fabulously delicious but I do post pictures of some meals on Facebook especially if it involves chocolate that's just you have to have fun with all of this and you have to be appropriate you have to know the etiquette and the culture of the room and I even gave a presentation on Twitter I I I I think it's a wonderful way to learn and by the way if you're interested in your in being an author. Don't poo-poo the online social media. A great way to get into groups is on LinkedIn. Join an editor's group. On LinkedIn, join an author's group. On Twitter, follow a hashtag that might be with publishing. You never know who you will see in that um, stream of that hashtag that you can then privately tweet or send a public tweet to
0: yeah absolutely i'm like so much into that because i'm most of the amazing people i've met and most of the things that kind of as a chain reaction led me to amazing things have been based on the fact that um you know uh uh, coincidentally or accidentally, we kind of, you know, uh, bumped to each other online. And, you know, in the very beginning, no one knew where it would lead to. But, you know, a genuine conversation, just few nice words kind of led to completely different, deeper level relationships and later on, uh, very exciting projects.
2: And the, and let's just say to our listeners, your your audience, how we're together, comes from an introduction of a mutual friend, Marone berger And I, how I met him is through another friend, John Corcoran, who I met through Dory Clark, who I <laughs> met because Dan Pink retweeted one of her tweets. I retweeted it. She got in touch with me, and we thought we were really close friends even before we met face-to-face, and we had never even talked on the phone. But it started with Twitter. It moved to email. She came out here to the San Francisco area, was having dinner with John, invited me, and John and I are friends now. She was here on her book tour, and John and I put together a dinner of her friends after her book signing. Amazing. I So what we want to say is this whole concept of working a room starts with socializing, mingling, connecting, talking to people. It's what we were taught to do when even as little kids, when we went to parties, be nice to people. Didn't our parents teach us that? That's what it really is. In fact, one of my friends who I went to university with said to me one day in Chicago, your book has the wrong title. Oh my gosh, what is it? He said, you should have called it how to make nice in a room.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, interesting. So basically, I was just wondering um the how to work a room and uh, what you actually told us how how it got published etc the the story of the book. Uh it was your first book and it it was it became a very big bestseller and a classic bestseller. So what do you think? Was that first book success um, the reason that you kept on writing other books as well? Or you were going to do that anyway? I mean, how how do you enjoy the process of the writing? Because I have many people who say that it's the most difficult part of being an author.
2: Okay, now you're, they're going to really hate what I'm going to say. After How to Work Room made bestseller list, the number one on Book of the Month Club. And as I said, I wrote a book that people perceived as their own need. It was not my need to write a book. So I think when you write things that the marketplace sees as their own need, that's a lot more interesting than writing something I think they should learn. Uh-huh. That was one. But because in 1988, it was the first book of its kind, and because that publisher did pay publicity people, I was in the Wall Street Journal. The next day, I was in USA Today. Um, I came home to San Francisco. A reporter for the Chronicle called me because he read about me in national papers. But he had that information. He ignored me first. But once he saw it nationally, then it became local. So I think it was the good old-fashioned PR that you can do, and still do, in these days, even though there's a lot more books clamoring for attention. But I never thought I'd write a second book. But when Warner Books, which is now Hachet, um bought the uh, rights to the trade journal, the trade version, I had lunch with the editor, my editor Joanne Davis, who was brilliant, who sat with me in New York and said, I want you to write a book now on networking. And I said to her, oh, really? There's so many books on networking. I don't want to write about networking. I know it's different than working a room. And she looked at me and she said, really? There are so many books. I want you to go to your local bookstore and look for all the books on the shelf that are about networking. I went to my local bookstore And I knew the, well, I had done book signing there, and I knew the assistant manager, and I told him I could find no books on networking on the bookshelf. There were one or two available, but they were self-published or available via catalog. And here's what the assistant manager told me, and that's when you go in a local bookstore and have a relationship with your local bookstore and your local bookstore staff. He said to me, Susan... Warner Books knows what they're doing. When they tell you they want you to write a networking book, book, do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he knew more than I did about general books. How could I not listen to him? So I I started to look at everything I'd written for the San Francisco Examiner career series. And I embraced the concept of writing a networking book, but I'll tell you why I wrote The Secrets of Savvy Networking four years after How to Work a Room. I saw some god-awful behaviors that people did even then under the guise of networking. And I'd look at them like I'm from Chicago going, networking? No, that's really being a jerk. And I thought there ought to be 10 commandments about networking and I got to write them because now now all my books except one have – actually, Face to Face also has Ten Commandments. I always do the Ten Commandments of – and I started with How to Work a Room. But I felt that there was no real rules book for networking. And Secrets of Savvy Networking has those do's and don'ts and rules and how to build your network, how to assess your network, how to you know increase your network, how to behave in your network. And some of them are very refined points, but I I did it because she told me to. And then after that, she said, I want you to write a conversation book. I said, really? There are 21 of them on the market. And this is what the brilliant Joanne Davis said to me, my editor. She said, yes, there are, but none of them have your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do I say next is a great conversation book. And the audio has been, and it was a bestseller, but the audio was like number two in in um, the, I think it was number one in business and number two overall of audio bestsellers in one of the book clubs. So have a network, go out to lunch with them, find people you trust. The publishing world is very open. And I would say for those of you that really want to see your book come to fruition whom I have talked about, Judith Bryles, is the founder of AuthorU.org. dot org. She has so many events and opportunities and yearly seminars and coaching. She is the person that knows from both sides of the coin how to do this. And she's worked with authors who've won, you know, national awards, etc. She'd be a place that I'd start. I mean, I do some coaching under my pick my brain coaching. But if you want to go to a program, she puts on a great program.
0: Okay, so it's authoru.org. Yes. Yeah, great. So uh, we kind of spoke about um, traditional publishing and how it works. Uh, What are your thoughts about self-publishing if someone would like to do it himself and self-publish the book he has written. I mean, uh, do do you see any disadvantages? And you think that traditional publishing is more helpful for newbie writers? Or uh, how do you see that point?
2: Um, You know, I don't know very much about self-publishing at all. But that's the wonderful thing. It's, you know, small publishing or self-publishing. That's why I mentioned Judith Bryles. She has been instrumental for so many people who've done that the other person who's a great person that knows so much he's like the authority on self-publishing is dan pointer and that's p-o-y-n-t-e-r you can go to danpointer.com or put his name in google and you'll find
0: Mm -hmm.
2: a slew of information back in the day self-publishing was not what it is today. Right now, there's so many options for self publishing, and you can get a book done. The issue is, can you get the distribution that you want? And that's why I maybe I'm lazy, but that's what I like about publishers. I, but on the other hand, you control no decisions. The beauty of self publishing is you can control the cover, you can control the distribution, you can There's so much you can do. And now that we have social media, there's so many ways to get a book out. Uh, But we still need to have a business plan for the book. And maybe that's the thing I'd want to tell you. When you do self-publishing, it's not just about writing the book. It's about self-publishing. And I said earlier, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. But when I, um, I think it was a year or two after How to Work Room was all over the media and I was speaking all over the country About the topic, and then asked to speak at a publishing conference, I said to the group of authors, or they wanted to be authors, I said, trust me, writing the book is the easy part. Everything after is difficult. Yeah. and later in the elevator, some man said to me, and I thought I gave a good presentation. He said to me, you're the most depressing speaker I ever met. <laughs> I said to him, really, me? I thought I was so much fun. And he said, no, you said writing the book isn't, is the easy part, and it's really hard. Oh, it is hard, but everything after is harder, especially today because there are 50,000 books published every day. Back when I wrote, there were 50,000 published every year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you, because I I also think that writing the book is the easiest part and uh, you know everything after that is so much harder and also it kind of it requires a completely different set of skills actually so you know uh, the people who who write well and who write good books not necessarily uh, are prepared to and don't have those skills to kind of implement and have uh, things happen so they have to start learning those from scratch if in case they are doing self-publishing so uh getting back to networking i was just wondering because i'm being approached very often um with questions about i don't know how did i get to know this person or how did i manage to have uh this or that big name uh as some as a guest for the podcast and you know things like that and i think that um I mean, I'm not really uh, a very uh, specialized person in networking, let's say, because I'm kind of, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it on intuitive level and not like, you know, I'm not very knowledgeable in that sense. But I have a feeling that um, a very crucial Role is playing the personality actually, so i w- I just want to touch that. Uh, what do you think about the role of the personality and how to find this balance between you know being too personal and showing your real self and also getting this balance of you know being a bit maybe formal or or somehow, you know, uh, respectful to the environment and the ethical rules, let's say, of that specific event? Okay,
2: I think that when you are at any event, you do have to be mindful of etiquette and culture, etc. I know there are people that think they could stand out by doing something Completely different, but you want to make sure that what you're doing that's different isn't offensive to people. Mm-hmm. Or some people say, Well, I don't care as long as they remember me. But my thought is, you don't want to be remembered for the wrong reason. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And in terms of being personal, you know, I had this happen to me when I started my business and first was invited to women entrepreneurs. I was a former school teacher and we had layoffs, so that's where I didn't even know I had a business, but this is what ensued. And I once had someone say to me, You know, Susan, you're not very businesslike. Uh, you know, you're a former teacher, you do things very personally. Yeah. The world has loved that what I have done is create a personal, uh, a persona and, and I am who I am, whether I'm on a stage giving a speech to 3000 or 300 or 30, or I bump into you at the grocery store. I am the same person. I think people really respect having a person be a person instead of acting out a personality or an alter ego. I'm not going to refer you to anybody in my world of publishing if I don't think you are smart, ethical, interesting, fun, trustworthy, and if you're not who you are, why would I risk my network by giving you an access to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. But I think, you know, bring who you are, but sometimes we have to monitor and adjust for the audience. Um, on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, I had lunch with an old friend of mine I mean, literally old, 92-year-old father, Larry Lorenzoni, uh, someone I've known 29 years. Well, guess what? I adjust my conversation and the topics. I'm talking to a priest. There are certain things I'm just <laughs> going to be smart enough not to say. When I am with my friend who has five-year-old and a six-year-old. I'm very careful. I make sure that what I say to mom and dad within the earshot of the kid, kids is appropriate. So when you're going to an event, bring who you are. This is a Susan Rowanism. So listen to this. <laughs> bring who you are to what you do. People connect with who you are. If you're someone who has, you know, a kid playing football or if you're someone who has a parent that's, you know, just beginning to think about going into a senior home. People connect with that. They've got an aunt that they're thinking about that. They've got, you know, if you have a pet, people talk about their pets. They don't talk about their pets with me, but they talk about their pets. Bring who you are to what you do. If it took you an hour to find a parking place, tell people that. They will relate to that because everyone's had traffic and parking problems. Mm -hmm. So when you bring who you are your favorite book, your favorite restaurant, your favorite meal, the sports team you support, to what you do, you become a person for people. People do business with people, they know, like, and trust, not with companies. And if you're an author and you want a relationship with an editor or whoever you work with in self-publishing, you want to build a relationship. You can't do that if you don't bring yourself Mm -hmm. to every event. So that's my thought. I mean, I sometimes have to watch my language because I can get rather um, salty in my language. <laughs> but I, like I said, I, with Father Larry, I wasn't very salty in my language. We can all adjust, tone things down and ratchet things up according to the environment, the group, the person, the event. Mm-hmm. And see ourselves. If you're a nice person, by the way, if you're not a nice person, Doesn't matter what you do. We know you're not a nice person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, true. That's true. So just to wrap this up, uh, let's imagine um, like, you know, let's imagine one of our listeners now who are working full time, who are writing uh, because writing is their passion, who are just kind of almost finishing their very first book and, uh, you know, they kind of don't know what to do next. So what would you suggest? I mean, I I guess uh, we already touched some somehow, the points about, uh, you know, attending the events and how to to approach that event, how to get prepared for that. But what else one should think about at that stage?
2: Well, if you're here, this is it, if you're thinking about writing a book, and you're waiting for the right software and the right computer and the to right, stop. Just sit down and write. Um, the one thing I learned from one of my agents was write the outline. If you're once you spend the inordinate amount of time writing the outline, the book when you sit down to do it will write itself. If you're almost finished. Put the finishing touches, put the book away, go back and read it a little later, edit it again. Now, there are some authors that will send their chapters to be vetted 20 to 40 people. I have never done that. That is something I would never do. Other people find it successful. Um, I think if you're ready and you've finished your book, if there is one trusted person not related to you And you may have to pay them for their time that would give your book a look over and see what suggestions they would make. I think that's worth doing because when you finally finish your book, you want it to be perfect. What you don't want to do is self-publish a book that is not the caliber that you would prefer. And what's wonderful is you write the book and there are some wonderful editors who can take your book to what I call charm school Mm -hmm. and just make it um, a little more organized, tighten things up. They also act as the reader. I, I was very lucky. I worked with a friend of mine who was great on the grammar, but she, and actually two different people that did that, they acted as the audience. My, I remember both, both of them saying to me at different times, I know what you mean by this sentence in this paragraph, because I know you, someone who doesn't know you will be confused. How can you say it in a way that's clearer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So find someone that's got the skill that doesn't love you, doesn't feel compelled to say this is fabulous when it's not, and will say to you, I don't get this. Can you explain it better?
0: Mhm. I see.
2: And then and then I think, you know, I think there's um, there are ways to submit to to agents. I think it's worth taking a look at some of the books that have names of agents. And if it's about self-publishing, there are myriad ways to self-publish. Um, you know, you could do that online, you could do it with a lot of different companies, but I think you'd want the input of someone that could really give you the dollars to donuts. And it's worth paying them their consulting fee to have them tell you the best way to do it. And here's what I say. I don't edit people's books that way. But if someone is finished with a book, of course, I I do recommend AuthorU.org. But I have a number of people that I know that have worked in New York publishing that are now private who would be happy to be hired by you to have them give your book that visit to charm school Mm -hmm. yeah and you can email me and i'd be happy if you're interested i'd be happy to give you some names
0: yeah before we part it's very good that you reminded me about this so let's let's find out where my listeners could get in touch with you and what's the best way to approach you if they would like to
2: well go visit my website cuz it has a lot of material on it and I am going to we're going to make sure in the show notes that you have an article that I've written I've written a lot for authors and I've spoken to authors conferences. Best way to find me is susanroan.com and that's s u s a n r o a n e.com or howtoworkaroom.com. You can also fi- email me if you have a question and I I'm sure I'll have an answer or I'll investigate. And that's Susan at Susan Rowan.com. Um I do consulting um, on pick my brain consulting, rightfully so. But if I'm not the right person, I'll make sure that I get you to the right person. I, I I choose to only work with one or two authors a year, but I'll get you to someone that'll really help you. And if you know of someone, a company, an organization that wants to hire a speaker for a conference. I'm a I think I'm best used as the kickoff speaker because I get everyone up and talking to each other. It's my number. Call me. 415-461-3915. I actually have a phone that works. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much for dedicating this almost hour we uh, were talking to me and uh, I'm sure that we got tons of value and we learned lots of new things about networking. And um, I I really appreciate your time. And I really am glad that we kind of met although online, but still, you know, it's better than not meeting at all.
2: (laughs) It's exactly right. And for all of you that are just know this, I my book was rejected 21 times. So just hang in there, write the best book you can, believe in yourself and do all the work that you can to get it out there and let people know about it and just good luck and keep on writing. Amazing! Thank you very much. Okay, I guess that was
0: what we had for you today. But before I tell goodbye, I would like to remind you once again that on July first, we will be celebrating the Right to Be Read podcast's first year anniversary, and I'm throwing out a live Q and A hangout with me. So basically, I would really love to have you here because we will finally get together and have fun, and you will not only. Hear me, but also see me. I will do my best to respond to all the questions that you will be asking. Uh, I will share everything that I have learned so far from my podcast guests, and uh, you might have also a surprise guest in there. As well as in case you register and not be able to make it, I will send you the recording of the hangout so you will actually be able to see it later on. So I guess um, that would be really fun. I hope that I will see you there. In order to register, please go to www.annealexander.com backwards slash birthday. I will be really, really happy to meet you there. And I really hope that you will enjoy the hangout and get something new. So Once again, www.anniealexander.com backward slash birthday. I will be waiting you there on July 1st. Meanwhile, keep on writing, have a nice week and stay awesome.